Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, by which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Dean, and thank you, Taylor, for this beautiful song. And as Dean was reading this beautiful part of the scripture, you uh, maybe you didn't notice it was Peter and John. What happened when they came in chapter 3, in order to save time, in chapter 3 they were coming to the, to the temple and there was a certain man who had been lame and Peter healed him with John's with him. And because he was healed, oh boy, the Jews did not like it and they started raising all kinds of problems. And uh, this is why as, and they were talking to the people, they were preaching the gospel and as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, they took them put them in jail because it was all kind of getting to be night. And they brought them next day to a trial. And this is my message today. And it's, not, it's going to be hopefully a short message. I'm preparing to go on vacation. <laughs> uh, the thing of it is, uh, that these two men were recognized by even their enemies that 
as we read in verse 13, having been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? That's my question. Christian influence. Today, I want to zero in on that. Christian influence is undeniable. Period. We influence others at all times. In one way or another. We may be an influence for good or for bad. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Our lives may lift up people and may drag them down. Our actions affect others whether we like it or not. We cannot measure the range of our influence at all. We have limitless potential for good or for evil. It is a marvelous thing to behold the Christian influence wherever God places us. The scene here today is as follows. It was an amazing moment, especially in verse 13. The Sanhedrin was in one of its sessions. This is the Supreme Court, if you want to know, of the Jews. And it is composed according to historical uh, events. It's composed of leaders who represented the high priestly class, the leading citizens of the nation, the lawyers, and the Pharisees. Can you imagine? These are. And the air was electric with their authority. And in the middle, they were sitting, they used to do it uh, like in a circle. In the middle was standing there Two simple men. Former fishermen. They haven't been long removed from their rough life. And the ruling body already concluded these men are just, they said there, unlearned uneducated, and untrained men. Though these two men who are standing in the middle, I think you are quite agree with me, they were untrained, they know nothing about theology, with all the respect to theologians of our days. These two men did not go to any kind of a schooling. But one thing we noticed, standing in the middle, they were unwavering. And the scripture says, they observed the body of the court, the confidence of Peter and John, and in another, if You will please, scripture, it says, they observed the confidence of Peter and John. They knew who is their God, their Savior. They had an unwavering confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
They stood in the middle. They were bold. They were frank. They were fearless. They were courageous. And above all, as we said, they were so confident. They warned them. They told them not to do it again. Not to preach in the name of Jesus. Not to heal again. But their courageous answer was, listen, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. As for us, we cannot stop speaking of what we have seen and heard. Wouldn't you say that's courageous? Instead of saying, okay, sir, yeah, okay, okay, judge. They didn't do that. I want you to notice something in that wonderful scene. That they were standing, they were not standing alone. There was Peter and John, read your Bible. They were not standing alone. You know who was standing with them? The man who was healed. The man who was healed. He said, "Uh uh-oh, they are in trouble. I'm going to run away from trouble. He did not get everything, get his little mattress and ran away. No. He said, I want to stand with them. I want to be with them in the middle. And he was standing with them. And seeing the man, it says in verse 14, who had been healed, standing with them in the middle. Oh, for people so courageous. He didn't run away. He said, I want to be identified with these people. These people healed me. They did a miracle in my life. They, he did not run away, but he want to acknowledge them and acknowledge the power that he was healed with. Oh, for men and women today to stand with the men of God. To stand with God and for God in our day and age. Today we are going through a lot, a lot of problems in our land and in the world too. You open your mouth about Jesus and people shut you down. And they call you names. And suddenly you end up being taken to court. This man did not care. Oh, for men and women, we are called today, Christians, we are called to stand up. To stand up for the truth. You have been saved. Stand up for Jesus. You know the power, his power, stand up for Jesus. And you know one thing. The miracles that God does with us and for us are unaccountable. We're looking at a miracle here in our midst. Have you been praying for Wayne? Did you pray for me? More than one doctor told me, Adol, you will have, you're going to have some problems after, after the big uh, surgery. 
I said, I'm going to take my chances. I'm depending on God. I'll wait. And then, 14 days after my surgery, I had no problem since then. God is a healer. And we stand for him. Wayne, keep standing. Because the power of prayer is greatest than any government under the sun. This man didn't care. He was standing with them. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen to them? Let it happen to me. He was standing them. What is he in? What is he in? Unwavering. Confident. Courageous. J.H. Joet, a man of God, once said, Men may more than match you in subtlety of argument. In intellectual argument, you may suffer an easy defeat. I do. I think so. But the argument of a redeemed life is unassailable. They couldn't do anything. They looked in, in verse 16, if you say, they looked, I mean, all the great minds, all the great, all the great religious people, and all the lawyers, they could not, they could get together into this. They, at the end, at the end of the trial, you know what they said? What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them, is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. When God does a miracle, no one can deny it. And this is the miracle that happened. This guy was paralyzed, and he was healed, and standing in the middle. What can you say? It didn't exist. It didn't happen. They'll be fools. They'll be stupid. But this is the scene that we are looking at here. Oh yes. They stood in front of a, the biggest religious body of the land then. And they couldn't do anything. And you know what? When Peter was talking and was preaching, they affected not only the people who were around them, but the whole community. Let me, let me uh, read this, read, read it to you. Many, in verse 4 of chapter 4, many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 people. Is the word of God strong? Is the word of God penetrating? Is the word of God forceful? And if you have it, and if you start testifying about our great Savior, do not be ashamed. Deliver it with boldness, with love, and the Lord will take charge of the results. He will lift you up in due time. They had a secret in their lives. 
these two men. They had a secret. And if you're asking, Adel, what's the secret? I'm going to answer that. I'm not going to leave you. Okay, I'm going to answer it. I have it here. How could they influence these two fishermen? Uneducated. They never went to theology school. There was none then. They didn't go anywhere. The secret. I want to talk about the secret. The secret of these men is as follows. It's found in a simple statement. They had been with Jesus. They didn't show, they didn't show up their credentials. They had none. They didn't have anything to prove. The only thing they can, they can say, they were with Jesus. And you see, when you are with Jesus, that means you have been saved. What kind of an influence these two fishermen had that they changed everything here. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. They convinced them by standing there. We cannot do what you're asking us to do. We cannot deny the fact it's by the power of Jesus Christ. Simple word. Listen. We don't need any theology, you and I. We don't need any more education. As long as you tell the people what God has done in your life. This is what they did. This is what they did. They, show, they, they saw them, they said, hey, we cannot. Only we have to testify of what God has done in our lives. And here's the proof. You have proof it's authentic. They don't have to come up with any other proof. The man is standing and most probably started to jump and dance if he wanted to dance. But he's there. And this is the proof and this is the secret. They were with Jesus. And if I may, may add something, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Christian influence. You can, as I said at the very beginning, we can influence people in the wrong way or the right way. We can lift them up or put them down. And this is the secret that we need to be with Jesus. When Nicodemus came to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ and he started his philosophical argument. We know you are a great teacher. We know where you come from. You see, he was from the member of the Sanhedrin, but he came at night because he was in his heart convinced that this is the Messiah. And he came to him with all his philosophy. Jesus says, would you stop here? Stop here. You must be what? Born again. Are you with me? You must be born again. That's all. And these people were born again. You cannot pretend to be. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. There is no substitute. 
for true salvation. And these men were truly saved. And it would be dangerous. Let me tell you one thing. Young people, please listen to me. It will be dangerous to gamble with your life. And this is an established fact. Your life is not negotiable. And is not up to compromise. No. And a million no. Spurgeon once said, let us not waste our time playing with toys. Just look to Jesus and he can change your heart to influence others with your life. Have you had this experience? Especially young people, you're listening to me. Have you had this experience? Did God change your life? Have you accepted him as your savior? Did you heed the call of the Lord himself? You must be born again. And this is my call this afternoon. You must be born again. Please listen to the Lord Jesus saying it, not Adam. R.J. Miller once wrote about his experience about coming to Jesus. He said, true repentance amounts to nothing. Did you, do you hear me? True repentance, yes, I will repent. Oh yeah, Lord, forgive me. True repentance amounts to nothing, whatever. If it produces only few tears, a spasm of regret, a little fright. We must leave, he says, the sins. We must repent and walk in the new clean way of holiness. Where are you today? When people see you, would they say, wow, it seems he's been with Jesus. That's what they did. They represented Jesus. The name Christians was on them all over. And they represented him well. How thankful we are for men like that. And how thankful should we be for men and women amongst us who stand with Jesus. And after people, after people leave your company, they will say, well, they've been with Jesus. Have you? They had also something working for them. These two men standing in the middle. They had communion with Jesus. They had fellowship with Jesus. Do we have that fellowship? When he was here on earth, he wanted some companions. He wanted some fellowship. He recruited 12 men and trained them for three years and then afterward sent them to the whole world to represent him. And the Lord saved you. The Lord saved us. The Lord gave us a wonderful life. The Lord gave you a beautiful job. The Lord gave you 
the means to go to school, to high school, to college. I'm talking to you today. The Lord has been good to you and to me. All right. Are we representing him well? Is he your companion? When you're at college, is he your friend there? Do you have fellowship with him? And this is what these people did all their lives. And we finally, finally the world could not even contain and understand. You know what they said? They have turned the world upside down. They have changed the world. This is why we are here today. We are in this world to change it. Not to go along with it. The current is hard and big and strong. We have to go against the current of this world. We have to stand firm as they stood firm. Oh, you have, I don't want you to talk about him. He said, what do I know? No, no, we cannot. What we have experienced, what we have seen, we are going to let you know about it. Regardless whether you are, you are in your, in your profession, whatever the profession is, whatever your job is, Stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Regardless what the people say. Regardless. The disciples had close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, who's your, who's your companion? Who's your friend today? Who are you walking with? You know, my dad used to tell me when I was growing teenager, he said, son, I tell you one thing. You tell me who your friends are, I tell you what kind of a person you are. If your friend is Jesus, congratulations. People will know that you've been with him. At Oxford, John Wesley, determined to have no companions save those which would help him in the life of faith and righteousness that he was trying to lead at that time. A battle-hardened ex-marine, listen to this, on a college campus, sat by a Christian girl in one of his classes, Day after day, he observed her life and observed her chosen friends, where she goes, what she does, who are her friends, and the way she conducted herself. So he finally approached her and said to her, there is something about your life. I would like to know what that difference is. She said simply, Listen, I did not know there was anything different about my life. But if there is, I am sure it is because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to live the best Christian life possible. The guy was taken aback. And these people, one last word, they were committed. 
We know they were saved. We know they had companionship with Jesus. But above anything else, they were committed. They have committed their lives to serve him, to witness. And that means what I do, what, please, please elaborate a little bit about commitment. Okay. You ask for it. This means to give the Lord our lives unreservedly. And leave your life there with him for self-keeping. This means to give up all rights to our lives. Are you ready for that? This, this means relinquishing interests, ambitions, goals, desires, even our own abilities, and put it all in his hands. And Lord, do whatever you please in my life. You know what? If you want to experience the blessings of God, you will experience it if you give him everything in your life. That means to take the cross of submission to his will and consistently follow him. Not Sunday after church. Because the message is so fresh still. No. And consistently follow him. He made this clear. The Lord himself. The Lord himself. He said, he said, here, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all rights to himself, carry his cross every day, and keep close behind me. That's the Lord. George Mueller, I know some people know about him, influenced the world with his faith and dedication, said this, Many years ago there came a day in my life when George Mueller died. As a young man, I had a great many ambitions. But there came a day when I died to all these things. And I said, henceforth, from here on, Lord Jesus, not my will but thine. And from that day, God began to work in and through me. You want, you want to influence others in a good way? Give yourself to Jesus. This man. Trial or no trial? You know, you know what happened to them after they let them go. They couldn't. They couldn't, they couldn't even touch them. He said, okay, well, let's warn them and send them out. Okay. So what? They warned them. Guess what happened? If you read from verse 21 in that chapter through 33, I will tell you quickly what happened. They were released first. They went back to their own companions. They did not go to the world. 
No, they went to their own companions, people like them. Who are your friends? Then thirdly, they thanked and praised God in one accord. More key people came to Christ. They witnessed with confidence more. And the grace of God was abundantly upon them all. Oh, my dear friends. Let us live Christ. You want to influence your family, others, wherever you go. Let's live Christ. And Paul came to that conclusion. I repeat it all, always because it's one of my favorite verses. For me to live, what? Is Christ. Let's forget about to die is gain. It is a gain. We know it. We gain everything. But let's live for Christ. These people lived and influenced the world. The word of God confirms it. I repeat it. They turned the world upside down. You want to have an influence, an impact, positive impact. Live for Christ. And what did they say? Say, they have been with Christ. Have you? Are we? Let's bow our heads for prayers. Just ask this, this question. Ask yourself, am I living for Christ? Do people know I am Christ? Oh, Father, we are thankful that you speak to us. And I pray with all my heart that we open our hearts and let you take charge of our lives. All our programs, ambitions, futures, just give it to you. And you promise you'll take care of each and every one of us. Bless the congregation and we pray if there are some hearts who have been moved to live for you. May you encourage them and bless them. And if there's someone who do not know you as Savior, may we ask you, Lord, to enter their hearts now, change their lives. They need to be born again and do this operation in their hearts through the Holy Spirit. Dismiss us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.